And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, farmers in the South America country of Argentina have struggled through severe drought thanks to multiple years of La Nina. Mark Bruceberg, USDA Chief Meteorologist, spoke at the recent USDA Ag Outlook Forum. He says the pattern may finally be changing soon. The good news for some of these producers is we are now forecast to go into an El Nino. What does that mean? Or what can they look forward to? This is the circulation pattern. Now this is completely the opposite of what you would expect to normally happen. You've got reverse flow all over the place. But interestingly enough, the impacts really are the opposite of what you get during a La Nina. And in the case of Argentina, you would expect wetter than normal conditions. Past weather patterns are a reason for some optimism ahead in Argentina. Here's what we've seen in past years. Argentina, and this is off of the PSD online, the Foreign Ag Service is maintaining, and you see that the years after La Nina's, they tend to rebound. Some years they've had record yields after several poor yields. If I were a farmer in Argentina, I would be optimistic, not a forecast. I would think that I wouldn't see another year of drought. And again, that's USDA Chief Meteorologist Mark Bruceberg. And also, drought continues to impact Kansas wheat fields, but there are some pockets that are better than others. At the Wheat Quality Council annual meeting, Aaron Harries, Kansas Wheat Vice President of Research and Operations, says the winter wheat crop has some hope. There might be a little bit more hope. It's, you know, that dryness and drought has continued, so the western third of the state is in pretty rough shape. We've started to see a little bit more moisture return in the weather pattern, but we really need it to flip around here as we're headed into March and April. Obviously, that's a critical time where the wheat is coming out of dormancy and really going through that water. Southwest Kansas, boy, it's probably too far gone. There are just a lot of wheat that didn't emerge, and if it hasn't emerged by March 1st, uh, you might as well give up on it, but the southwest corner has been really hard hit place. Harry says Kansas wheat growers did slightly increase planted acres for the growing season. We saw a little bit of an uptick in acres again this year, uh, very slightly. And again, that was brought about by the marketplace. And those input costs being a challenge with other crops, I think it's, yeah, it is logical at this price to put some more wheat in the ground. So that may have helped us gain a little bit. But again, the weather in the fall just wasn't favorable to planting conditions. So depended a lot on planting date as it usually does, um, the variability they crop attributed to that. And he adds that growers will know more about their crop in May. The next big event for all of us is the wheat tour in the middle of May. That's where we really get a good handle on the crop. So from now until that point, we're just watching the weather patterns, hoping for some moisture in between now and then. And that wheat tour says a lot. And again, that is Aaron Harries, Kansas Wheat Vice President of Research and Operations. Well, in the wake of disasters, it's often farmers dealing with the aftermath. This holds true at East Palestine, Ohio, where in early February, train derailment and fire released toxic chemicals into the environment. That incident along the Ohio-Pennsylvania border has been making world headlines ever since with public outcry playing an unprecedented role. Doug Molenkoff raises beef cattle for seed stock and freezer beef with his young family on the outskirts of East Palestine. Very large fire. We could see it pretty clear from our house that evening. And we got all the smoke because we're to the north. We didn't get any water runoff issues here, so we don't have too much concern about the the water issues. 
unfortunately the everybody that lives south of of town got got all the water issues and we got all the smoke issues the area was evacuated shortly after the train derailment though it's not easy for cattlemen to leave their livelihood by the time that they decided to do away with the rest of the train cars on monday afternoon then i believe we were uh, my wife and and our little boy they they did leave for for a day or so Unfortunately, cows still need to eat, so so I was here for that and got to see all of it. The immediate cloud from the fire is gone, but questions now turn to the long-term effects of the released chemicals on the area and watershed. Molenkoff says he's had cattle and people affected. Myself, yeah, I, I worked in the smoke all day, Saturday and, and again on Sunday. And, and yeah, I had, I had some issues, and, and I've actually done some adulting and uh and went and 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 got checked out and and went for another update yesterday and i'm doing fine cattle we did we did have have a little bit of issue with um young babies overall the the general health of the entire cow herd is is pretty good right now but like i say we did have we did have some issues in the in the really young calves and with smoke inhalation he did lose one calf to smoke inhalation and says he's awaiting test results from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Norfolk Southern, the rail company involved in the incident, has been put in charge of the cleanup with oversight from the EPA. Initially, soil and liquid waste removed from the site was being transported to locations around the country. Public outcries halted that, causing officials to rethink their cleanup plan this week. In the meantime, Molenkoff says he and his fellow producers are moving forward. And everybody's pretty much with the idea that let's just kind of let's let's do due diligence let's let's keep track of everything let's do some testing i know some guys have pulled some soil samples that just want to know and so pretty much everybody's really really prepared to just just move forward but at the same time you know keep track of everything record everything and what testing is available that that you think might apply to you then then i know guys that are doing it and again that's doug molenkoff of east palestine ohio talking his experience in the aftermath of the hazardous train derailment and fire well the ag innovation challenge is a business-based competition designed to showcase startups in the u.s chase heineman director of industry relations at american farm bureau federation says they're looking for people who are working on ways to help meet the challenges faced by farmers and ranchers it is an opportunity for these startups to pitch their ideas to American Farm Bureau, as well as our judges, and to secure funding for their ideas, for their businesses, to help grow their businesses and take it to the next level. It's also an opportunity for them to interface with other professionals in the startup space. The Ag Innovation Challenge is in its 10th year and has continued growing since it began. Heinemann says this is a great opportunity for new businesses, both from a financial and development standpoint. The Ag Innovation Challenge is obviously an awesome opportunity to get an increase in financing. So if, if companies, startups are looking to expand operations or, or take their companies to the next level, this is an opportunity. More so even than that, it's a great opportunity to network with other startups. Well, the Ag Innovation Challenge is presented in partnership with Farm Credit. Farm Bureau will award $165,000 in startup funds to 10 different businesses. For more information, you can go to fb.org forward slash challenge. Again, that's fb.org forward slash challenge. And lastly, here on American Ag Today, Nathan Simington, a commissioner for the Federal Communications Commission, spoke out on the continued importance of AM radio to public safety. He says the issue of continuing to include AM radios in electric vehicles deserves urgent attention, saying, quote, as electric vehicle adoption increases, we must not leave behind those in rural areas who depend on radio for their news and alerts. 
He points out that growing up in rural Saskatchewan was like living in a connectivity desert, and he believes the FCC has a duty to make clear how valuable AM radio is to its listeners. That's going to do it for American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.